Hello. So this week, I'm going to be talking about two different mythological beings, um, and both on vast spectrums, one of which is really common here in North America, one of which I only know of through a movie, which I don't think has anything to do with the other. So I find it fascinating that I came across this name because I was like, oh, what is this? And it wasn't what I thought. So the first being is a golem, which of course we all go to Lord of the Rings and think of the cute little creature guy in the storyline that gets obsessed with the ring. Now, it does show up in the Bible once, Gollum, and it shows up in Psalms um, 139.16. And in Hebrew, Gollum stands for a shapeless mass. But in Jewish tradition, the Gollum is mostly known as an artificial creature created by magic. Now, this goes back to the sort of genie type story and when we had discussed uh the imps right where it's governed almost by like a master but even though they're not the ones that choose their bedding they're always deemed as something evil now then you get into something that's an artificial being created by magic you start going into thought forms and you're thinking chaos magic right where people create or believe that they can create this thought form this creature by thought right with intent and purpose so it's it's interesting how this is sort of swinging into different belief systems different ways of thinking different creatures how they all sort of swing back and forth off each other so the talmud uses a word golem as unformed or imperfect right so like shapeless mass and the same idea so, in one of the legends, Adam is called Gollum. So, meaning he's a body without a soul, which I thought was really interesting. So, for the first 12 hours of his existence, um, the Gollum, now, it appears in other places in the Talmud as well. But I think it's interesting that Adam was considered one before, like, in his first 12 hours of existence. That's crazy. So, also, the prophet Jeremiah apparently made a Gollum. Now, some people believe that it's just a symbolical, like a symbol, a, whatever, I can't even speak today. It's a sim, it's a, sim, a symbol, it's whatever, you know what I mean. So it's sort of like an experience that you would go through, but it's not actually literal, open to interpretation, just like every other belief system. So in the book of creation called the, and I'm going to butcher this, the Sefer Yezura, um, it's usually a guide to magical uses um, that would be mostly known by Western European Jewish people in the Middle Ages. They show you how to make your own gullop, which is interesting because a lot of the rabbis actually talk about how to understand what these are and how to make them yourself. So it shows them actually how to make them look like a person and give them a name, just like in Chaos Magic when you make a thought form. I find that absolutely fascinating. And you can use these thought forms for all different things. You can use them for protection, you know, spiritual protection. You can use them as healers if you have bad health. You can use them for whatever purpose you want, right? So... Let's see here. 
So now some people believe that you actually have to shape the golem in order to make it at a soil. And then you would actually have a different um, Hebrew alphabetic letters that you would use as you dance around them, sort of like in the sense of a spell. And it'd be like a secret name that was to mean God. Now, to kill it, they would do the same thing, but they would do it backwards. So they would say the letters backwards and actually go in the opposite direction. Now, other people think that you have to write down certain letters, which I'm not going to say because I don't know how to say them. But basically, it means truth. And that you have to create this golem and then write those things on his forehead and then it would come alive. So you race it and then you basically kill it. That's how you do it. Now, some people believe you write God's name on parchment and stick it in the golem's arm or in his mouth. Or you take it out, obviously. So it's just a reversal. It really comes down to belief. Not saying these things don't exist. But it is imagine-based. So that goes back to intent, passion, detail, belief, placebo effect apparently, or, or possibly I should say. So in Ashkenazi, oh my God, Ashkenazi Hasidic lore, <laughs> um, it'd be the same idea, right? So he would do the things that were assigned to him, like an imp or a genie would have. And he is known to being connected a lot of times to different rabbis. And they used to make them out of clay to protect the different Jewish communities from blood, from being blood libel and to help with the physical labor because they're considered very, very strong. Now, some actually believe that it is something connected to Easter and that in the spring of 1580, there was a preacher that hated Jewish people that was trying to get the Christians to go after Jewish people and that the golem protected them during that time. And the rabbi removed the divine name, rendering the golem lifeless afterwards. So I really find that interesting that there were so many different ones, like books of Jewish law and philosophy, and they they opposed making this. Like, they truly believed this to the point where they were totally against people doing this. They didn't think it was smart. They wanted people just to leave it alone, which makes you wonder, right? You never know if they had had experiences or something that made them think they had experienced it. Now, it doesn't just run the gambit for Jewish people. It, it goes obviously elsewhere. And in the 20th century, we had tons of different famous works that would come into play. Um, you would see them like, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's based off a dream that Mary Shelley had, but that is considered a golem. That's what it's based off of. And what else is there? There's, there's Isaac Bathsheba singers, the golem, and the X-Files even had it. And then we know of, obviously, the Lord of the Rings. He is a little golem creature himself. He's someone's sort of task doer in a sense, right? And there's even a museum in Prague, which I think is really cool. Now, 
the really funny part, and it's not really funny, but let's face it, it is. Different people, like the Greeks, have actually considered people who are maybe not the smartest tools in the shed or the sharpest crown in the box. They call them golems, or if they're like really lazy. So I thought that was kind of cute. Good way to end it. For the second story, we're going back to England. And we are going to be discussing the origin of the sort of scary mythological sort of superstition, Bloody Mary. So anyone, I know I was born in 82, we did it all the time as kids, go into a dark room, like you shut the light off, stand in front of a mirror and you say Bloody Mary. I don't know if you're supposed to say it a certain amount of times or you just kept saying it and this like reminded you of um what's her name medusa like figure is supposed to show up in the mirror right and scare the crap out of you or something i don't even know what she was supposed to do but uh people believe that this actually stems from a true person so that is what i'm going to talk to you about for your second story so, King Henry VIII is known for having all these wives, right? If you ever read your history. And he had been married to Queen Catherine of Aragon. And Catherine had been married originally to his brother Edward, who had died shortly after they were married. And it was said that she and him did not consummate the marriage. So they were able to then have her marry Henry instead. Now, she was a very loved woman, and she gave birth to Princess Mary. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to produce a male heir. So Henry wanted to divorce her, annul the marriage, by saying that she actually had consummated the marriage with his older brother and annulled the marriage so that he could marry Anne Boleyn. And the Pope wouldn't grant the annulment. So King Henry VIII went against the church, which was a huge thing then, and created his own religion, which was the Anglican religion. And he was unable to... Mary Anne Boleyn, who had a daughter, Elizabeth. And then he had been unable to have a male heir through her either. So he ended up beheading her and ended up with, I believe it was six wives. And it was Catherine of Aragon, the first one, who she ended up in a nunnery for the rest of her life. They had the annulment or the split of their marriage when their daughter Mary was only 17 years old. And the last wife of King Henry VIII, because um, she was with him when he died. Those were the only two that weren't m murdered by King Henry. So think of a 17-year-old girl going through court with a father, you know, who is slowly becoming insane. He had a riding accident where he had cut open his leg. And at that time they did bloodletting. So they would drain the infection and he was known for 
reeking. And he was known at first for being a very, you know, fit, athletic, good-looking king, very charming, and he became very um, maniacal, very, very scary man that, you know, didn't trust people, very paranoid. I mean, he killed a bunch of his wives, right? The fact that he had multiple wives says a lot. And he slowly got fatter and uglier and smellier and sicker from this infection in his leg. So you think of this daughter, you know, her parents are being split at 17 years old. She was known for having a lot of issues with her reproductive organs and had really heavy menstrual cycles, which anyone knows going through something like that, or obviously we all know a woman, um, that we can deal with a lot of hormonal issues, right? And at that time, you're growing up, you're becoming a woman. So she had a lot to deal with emotionally. And then you deal with living in a court with a lot of mistrust, a lot of families trying to make a name for themselves in among the court themselves and doing whatever it takes to rise to the top, so to speak. So Mary ends up being, Mary and Elizabeth end up being the only children of King Henry VIII. And Mary becomes the first queen regent of England. I find that really really freaking fascinating and amazing. So she ends up marrying a man who's 10 years younger than her named Philip. And obviously back then they didn't have any way of knowing how someone was pregnant. You know, we didn't have pregnancy tests. We didn't have ultrasounds. So they went off of, you know, the belly swelling, the breast swelling, the normal typical pregnancy symptoms, which she had. So they had set the date for, I believe it was May 4th. And the six weeks before, or May 10th, six weeks before the baby was due, they had her in bed in her chamber to make sure, you know, that she wasn't at risk or the baby. And the baby didn't arrive. So they thought, okay, we must have the wrong due date, right? Which is very possible. So they had reset the due date for June. And by the time that due date came, her belly started going back to normal. And they realized she wasn't pregnant at all. Now imagine a queen, the first female queen regent, And just not even that, but, you know, trying to make a name for herself after having the father the way she did, her mother basically being tossed aside. And she's here trying to prove herself as a queen. And plus, she's a woman, you know, it's her baby or what she thought would have been her baby. And all of a sudden, she's finding out at the time she was supposed to be having it, that this baby just didn't exist. So, of course, being court and the way that kind of life was back then, there were a lot of rumors and... Some people thought that the baby was stillborn and some people thought that she had lied or who knows, right? All these different rumors going around. But the basic idea was there ended up not being a baby. And she um, ended up dying. What they believe could have been cervical cancer or something to do with her reproductive organs at the time she was 42 without ever having had an heir. And that leads to... Queen Elizabeth 
Anne's daughter, her younger um, half-sibling, becoming the next queen regent. Now, when Mary, going back to the story, a lot of people say that that was why she was called Bloody Mary. It was because of all the reproductive issues and stuff she had. But that's actually not the reason why she was called Bloody Mary. Sadly enough, despite all these things, which do obviously make sense, but... Let's see here. I just want to get the exact number before I start sprouting stuff. But when she's supposed to be going through her pregnancy, right? The people of England were divided between the Catholics and the Protestants. There's still issues with that to this day, but that was when it was at its height. And she wanted to bring the nation under sort of one true religion. She wanted all the people united. So right before Christmas... In 1554, she signed an act, and it resulted in what is called the Marian Persecutions, where roughly 240 men and 60 women were sentenced as Protestants and burnt at the stake. And that earned her the name of Bloody Mary. And that's really sad. Now, later on in her life, obviously before she had passed, um, she said that she was pregnant again, but her, her husband didn't even believe it. And she later ended up going through menopause and there again wasn't a baby. So you can imagine how upsetting that must have been for her. And it was literally the next year, like I said, at the age of 42 that she had died. And that's really sad. So this has become something that we already know. This is why children chant her name in the mirror at nighttime with the lights off, you know, in a room, the bathroom, the bedroom, where have you, in front of a mirror. And she's supposed to appear and scare you or do something. I don't even know what she's supposed to do, but I remember it being very scary. But really, it's a very sad tale of a mom or a woman who wanted to be a mother, the first queen regent of England, trying to make a name for herself after all the all the hardships she had been through in her life, health-wise, spiritually, familial, you know. So, yeah, that is the story of the true Bloody Mary.